I'm Jess Connolly, and you are listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. We exist to equip and encourage kingdom women who are using their God-given gifts for the good of others and the glory of God. If you are a mom, a student, an artist, a doctor, we are hoping that this episode will leave you encouraged and ready to run. We're so glad you're here. Let's go. Hey friends, it's Jess here. Listen, we're going to jump right in. I've got my friend Hensley with me. You can say hi. (laughs) And we have been sitting here kind of discussing what we want to talk about and we decided to just hit play. We have some deep things to talk about. Yes. Okay. But first, we're going to kind of try to start at light. And here's what we want to ask. I want to know, and I would like you guys to tell me, you can either tell us in our Go and Tell Gals Facebook community or on an Instagram post or just DM me. I want to know, did your school, did your high school have senior superlatives? Did you have like voted most likely to blank, blank, blank? And if so, did you get one of those? Did you want one of them? Were they harmful or hurtful? I want to tell you Mm -hmm. a funny story about mine. So my sister got worst driver. And I would have gotten worst driver. They like wrote that in the yearbook. They were going to vote worst driver. But the year that I graduated, they actually had to pull worst driver because they realized it was an insurance liability. Oh, yeah. No. And people could like use it against you in court. So <sighs> when that category was pulled, I actually did become nominated for best smile. Oh. I did not win, um, which is hard. Yeah. But, you know, even on the bio on my website, it says you would have voted me least likely to succeed. I think that had that been a superlative, we're going to talk about this in a second, but I think had that been a superlative, people don't believe me when I say that, but I'm going to talk about it in a second. But I think I would have gotten that one. Did your school, Hensley, have superlatives? We did. And I glamorized those things. I think my whole life, as soon as I knew that they existed, I wanted one. Yeah. Unfortunately, I I did not win, but I was dating my husband. We met in high school and started dating in high school, and he won best to take home to mom and dad, and we got married, so I feel like I won. I would say Kyle's really good to take home to mom and dad, but I would also say you are as well. Me too. So shouldn't I have won too because we were dating? Yes, and should we make superlatives in our office? Definitely. Okay, maybe at the end of this episode, we'll come back with some superlatives in our office. Or maybe if you guys want to help us vote for some online, that's what we need to do. Head to the Go and Tell Gals Instagram, and we're going to vote in our Instagram stories for some superlatives for our office. I want to know if you guys got one. I want to know if this was wounding for you. I want to know if you got one that made you sad. Because some of them, like, aren't Mm -hmm. always positive. No, they're not. You know? I think in our office, I might still get worse driver. Because there are members of our team that don't really like riding in the car with me. Mm. Anna. Anna doesn't like riding in the car with me. It's fair. Okay. Today's episode, let me say out the gate, I hate the word triggered. I don't hate the word triggered. Some things are genuinely triggering. But I think we like make a joke out of it and it's not funny. And I try not to say it. I actually think this episode could be triggering. And I actually think if we weren't cautious and careful, which we definitely plan to be and prayerful, this episode could be harmful. Mm. And I will say I've listened to podcast episodes on this topic that have been harmful. So we're actually trying to turn the tide here and we're talking about potential. How do we live up to our potential? 
So the first thing I want to say is that we've been pulling in members of the Go and Tell Girls team for every podcast, mostly so that you guys don't have to hear me talk alone for 40 to 50 minutes. But Today, I really specifically wanted Hensley to join because this is the superlative I want to give you, the serious one. Hensley is not riled by people's opinion of her. Not that anyone's ever had a bad one, but I've asked you specifically, or I do remember, I've asked you specifically, like, we'll leave a setting and I'll say like, were you thinking at all about like how you did or like what they thought of you? And you'll say like, honestly, no. But in my flesh, that is something I really struggle with. Mm -hmm. Like before going into a scenario, my mind really is considering like, am I okay? Will I do this well? Maybe even putting it this way, will I live up to people's potential perspective Mm -hmm. of me? Will I live up to their expectations of me? Did I do that? Am I okay? Like, did I do a good job as a Jesus follower? And you have a sense of at-easeness about you that is really compelling to me. Well, I'm grateful for your words. <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> that is kind. I think a lot of my personality and my innate nature just doesn't think about a lot of those things. Yeah. And I wish that there was some formula or practice that I did to help with that. Yeah. But I think so much of it goes back to my childhood and my inner child and how I grew up and how I was perceived and my confidence level as young as a four-year-old. I think it all kind of goes back to that. Every time I was thinking about, why don't I strive about this? Or why don't I care about this? A lot of it just kept going back to who I was as a child and a middle schooler and a high schooler and a teenager and just kind of how I grew up. Yeah. And I think we're going to dig into multiple times on this episode that a lot of us approach this conversation from the roots of our childhood, honestly, of like, well, this happened or this was said, or this was spoken over me. And I'm still kind of unpacking it today, whether I'm in my twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, I'm still really kind of trying to process that. So before we get into that, let's kind of just like hold space for all the different types of women who might be listening to this episode. Mm -hmm. Because some of you might have hit play on this episode and you've never actually out loud thought this question. How do I live up to my potential? That's never been a thought you've had. Some of you are like, thank God somebody's asking because that's all I think about. So here are a few different perspectives I see. I see that there are probably some women in our midst that we get to talk through to through this podcast who are maybe constantly worried about living up to their potential. And that's going to take a few different forms, but like they are worried they're not going to do it right. They're worried they're not going to do enough. Mm. I think that there are women who never worry about living up to their potential. And maybe this conversation could have the potential to scare them or freak them out. But I hope and pray that it's going to be so compassionate and curious and honest that you won't feel like, oh my gosh, should I be worried? (laughs) Because you shouldn't. The answer is no, you should not be worried. Cut to the chase. That's the spoiler alert. I think that there are a lot of women in our community who feel defeated about their potential 
maybe they were told that they'd never amount to anything and they've lived into that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they've had different scenarios spoken over them even recently. Maybe it's not in childhood, but maybe it's even recently about like what they can actually do and what their ceiling is. And they haven't even known that they could live past that or move around that in some way. And then I think a lot of us, so I'm, I'm kind of like hitting four different types of women. I think a lot of us, maybe women who worry about our potential, but we put a spiritual vernacular on it. So what we're asking instead is how do I give God the most glory or how do I live a life worthy of my calling or how do I please God and live a holy life? And when I think about living a life worthy of the calling or even like the spiritual version of this question, I think about Ephesians 4, where Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So whether you never think about this, you always think about this, you're super defeated, or you only talk about it in a more spiritual perspective, you're welcome here. And we're going to just put some thoughts on the table and talk to God about them and one another. Yeah. Sounds okay. Great. So let's like do the deep dive first. And I want you to just talk a little bit more about like where you fall in that perspective and dive back into like where you think that might come from. Yeah. I think this question about potential is really interesting. And we've also said the word striving a little bit at the beginning. And I think we like to lump those two together. I think we like to say that you need to strive to reach your potential. I think the word potential is used when we say you didn't live up to your potential or you have so much potential. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are words that parents, teachers, friends, yeah, peers speak over us and not even in a intentionally rude way, but it just becomes conversation even when we're young. So even going all the way back to potential on a child to be a certain kind of athlete or potential on a child to be on the honor roll. I think a lot of it goes back to that and speaking these words over each other, especially from a young age. I think looking at those different type of women that maybe I fall a little bit in with the last category of women who worry about their potential from a spiritual side of things. Yeah. I think I like to over-spiritualize. Same. I mean, I'm like, is it over-spiritualizing or is it all just spiritual? You're right. You're you're right. You're right. I like that better. I like that better. Yeah. And so I think that especially in that realm, I can really get in my head and get really confused about how does potential meld together with my spiritual life and the calling that God has on my life. Yeah, that's real. Okay. So what we were talking about and where we land on this, I'll share with you where I land. And it's really interesting. So I feel like I've told this story a lot, but I probably haven't, but I'm pretty sure you've heard it, Hensley. So I had this moment back in 2020. It was actually like three weeks before the pandemic hit, it was like a conversation that had been going in my head for months and that I've been talking to a therapist about, I've been talking to God about, but I could not place myself. I could not place my story in any kind of chart. (laughs) And by that, I mean, I was asking this question over and over again. Am I a high achiever who has had like sinking moments of defeat and failure? Or am I a very low achiever who has basically like gotten luck, 
And the reason why I started asking this question is because my story has been very full of both. It's been full of like moments of fruit that I could have never asked for or imagined. I mean, sitting in this office, like hosting this podcast with you, like getting to write books, getting to teach on stages. There's been like moments where I'm like, even getting to be a mom, I have like so many overwhelming moments where I'm like, God, I cannot believe you gave me these four kids. Or I'll look at Nick and be like, I actually cannot believe I get to be his wife. All of these different callings. I'll just have these moments of like, woof, I did not see this coming. Mm -hmm. But I've also had really big pits of failure. I've closed businesses. I've massively disappointed people. I've like publicly failed in front of people in ministry. And then you throw in like present day comparison. Mm. If I look for a second at other women who are doing what I'm doing because of the internet and because of faking it and because like of metrics, I literally never know. I'm like, I can't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a success or a failure. So I'm having this like swirling conversation. And in my mind, it matters because I want to know like how I should relate to God. Like, should I just be so thankful that you've given me anything or should I try harder because you've expected more from me? And so I'm turning this over and over in my head. And it's early 2020, pandemic hasn't hit yet. And I'm driving to Disney with my mom and my kids. And my kids were all in the back and my mom and I were sitting in the front seat. And it was just one of those rare moments where I had like four or five hours to just sit and talk with my mom, which is always really life-giving. And I'm explaining this to her. And I'm like, you know me better than anybody else. You've seen my whole life. Like, what's my story? And she said something that like, was so life-giving and she kind of got like a funky looking face at me and was like, it doesn't matter. She was like, it doesn't matter. The, the story is that you're loved by God. Mm. That's the story. And she was like, I don't want you to keep thinking about this. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. The story is you're loved, like live into that story. But so I was telling you earlier be before we started recording that partially why I struggle with this conversation is actually not going to be typical for most people because I think... I don't know. It could be. It could be typical for a lot of people. I don't know. Again, who knows? I think a lot of women who really struggle with this maybe were told like you have so much potential or these are the things that are expected from you. Or you like, we expect you to go to college and we expect you to have this career. Or we expect you to stay home and have a perfect home all the time. Or either if it was directly implied or like overtly insinuated, there was potential and expectation written over your life. Interestingly for me, that was not the case. And I was telling you what's interesting for me now is that when I meet people from my past now and they find out that I'm an author or that I'm a business owner, or even that I have four kids, the response is literally always like shock. Like, well, I didn't see that coming. And that I think people like maybe think I'm being funny when I say they would have voted me least likely to succeed. But I mean, I barely graduated high school. Like I wasn't the like cute girl at youth group who liked kids. Like nobody thought I was going to be a mom. I was like deeply embroiled in sin as a teenager. And like people saw me sinning a lot. Like again, like barely graduated high school. So I think something that's interesting is that the shock that people express about what God has done in my life actually kind of makes me feel like if I really think about it too far, it makes me feel like there's no 
line that I'm supposed to hit. So I have to keep pushing. I have to keep striving because I actually don't know what's good enough because no one expected any of this, which is really interesting when you think about it. Like there was no line hit for me. There was no potential set for me. So now I'm worried I'll never hit it. I'll never know what it was. Yeah. That's really raw and honest, but I think that's part of what leads to me. Like if you don't know what the metrics are, if you don't know what the graph is, then like how will you hit it? And again, these are my like flesh thoughts. When I process this in my spirit and with truth, I feel something different, which is Mm -hmm. what we're going to do in this episode. But that's like the really raw feeling that comes for me. Yeah. I think that's interesting because I had a very different experience and kind of what I was sharing earlier and sharing with my team when I was processing just these thoughts about potential was I think so much of this really does go back to your inner child. And for me, I just did not grow up feeling a lot of pressure or expectation. I wasn't going to be sent to my room if I didn't make all A's. I wasn't going to be punished if I dropped the ball or didn't make the sports team. And so I grew up in a very safe place where I could just do what I wanted to do and express myself and be who I was. And so I think that is a huge part of it. I think another really interesting really interesting aspect is significantly in high school, I was friends with a lot of really smart people academically, Mm. really, really smart people in honor society that had the GPAs over the 4.0. And I was an okay student, but I knew that I wasn't ever going to make those strides. I was never going to be accepted into those specific programs or win the specific scholarships or anything that I didn't try. And so I needed to kind of rebel from that because I knew that I wouldn't be able to get to that point. So I didn't try. And so I think for me with potential, a lot of the time I feel like I can plateau or my flesh tendency is to be passive. Yeah. And instead of striving to kind of sit back and wait, which I think can be equally as harmful. Yeah, that's good. Okay, from another spiritual perspective, there the other piece of this, one of our interns brought this up is in light of this conversation is the like Esther 414 version of like, you've been placed here for such a time as this. So a lot of women may, maybe this has nothing to do with their childhood or the early messages or the potential that was written over them or not. Maybe it has to do with the present messages they're hearing about like running on mission or using their God-given gifts. They'll want to just say like, hey, hands in the air. We're an entire ministry devoted to equipping and calling women. And we want to do that with urgency We want to talk about the needs of the people around you. But I think what's so important, even in light of Esther's story and in light of like our story and our potential and our calling is that we have to say the truth of God does not need you. Nope. God did not need Esther. Esther's good. And the good of others that she got to be used. But my personal belief is if it wasn't Esther, it would have been somebody else. Mm -hmm. If Esther had not answered God's call, I actually don't think, I just think he would have, I don't know. I just, and again, I'm conjecturing because I'm on this side of heaven, but I think God is going to get his glory and God is going to enact his plan. 
we were having a conversation about evangelism around my like family lunch table a few years ago. And, and we were talking about, gosh, I'll have to look it up. I'm sorry. One of y'all is going to know this, this reference off the top of your head. It's in Matthew, I believe, but it's the passage where it basically says like all of creation is revealing Jesus to humanity. Like all of humanity is going to access the gospel and the message of salvation, like through creation, through just being on the earth. And one of my family members was saying like, can I be honest? Like I've always heard it preached, even from an evangelist, an evangelism perspective. If I didn't show up and tell people about Jesus, they'll never hear and they'll go to hell. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot yeah, of pressure. Instead of saying like, no, no, God's going to enact His plan. God's yeah. going to get His glory. Okay, I have one more story about even salvation about this. One of my first pastors was an ex-Muslim named Naeem Fazal. He has an amazing ministry. You can look him up. And he met Jesus, literally met Jesus when he was a practicing Muslim through a dream. And Jesus like came to him in a dream and he knew it was Jesus. And he was like, Naeem, here's all the plans I have for your life. I can't remember the dream exactly. But then, and then different members of his family started meeting Jesus. And I think a few other were like through a supernatural thing. He's told me that story. I've always been encouraged. Like God's going to get his kids. He is going to get his kids. Yeah. But I also have thought like, you know, did somebody else miss out on the joy of getting to tell Naeem about Jesus. Mm. I haven't, you know what I'm saying? Like, because really us using our God-given gifts, let us living a life worthy of our calling is for our joy. It's for our good. It's not because he is like tapping his toe, wanting to like squeeze out our lives, Yeah, you know, get all the juice out. Okay. That was a lot. Okay. I want to segue into a more like ecclesiastical view of this. And by ecclesiastical, I mean like the book of Ecclesiastes, which I have said on this podcast is my least favorite book of the Bible, (laughs) specifically the part where it's like, what matters? Nothing matters. Nothing matters at all. So now I want to flip this conversation on its head and say, does it even matter? Does it even matter that we talk about this? Is it even helpful? Is it actually just more harmful than helpful? And should we never talk about potential? And we're going to link this podcast in the show notes. Erwin McManus is one of my favorite pastors and one of my favorite pastors to learn from always. And I heard him, one of his most recent books is called The Genius of Jesus. Mm. And he's really talking about Jesus and how he was a genius, (laughs) but he's also talking about the genius in each of us and he was on this podcast and we'll link it in, in the show notes where he was talking about potential. It was actually a secular podcast. And he was saying like, the thing with potential is you've got to stop asking what your potential is because it literally doesn't matter. So if you are trying to decide how much God can get from your life, you will probably either think too much and always feel disappointed or you'll think you'll think too little and you won't like keep moving. So like stop thinking about it. And I think that that perspective has really served me. That's good. I've never heard it described that specifically. Yeah. So I don't know if that helps anybody, but like maybe here's the like complete flip of the coin of like maybe none of this matters. And maybe, 
maybe it's helpful to talk about our calling, which we did an episode a few weeks ago about calling. You can listen to that. Maybe it's helpful to talk about the specific people God has called us to. Maybe it's helpful to talk about the different seasons and purposes that he's placed in our life. But maybe like throwing out the idea of like the container, the capacity, the potential we each individually have is pretty God glorifying to be like, I don't know. God can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. And I think it's really important, especially for that one that we talked about, that's worrying about living up to their potential, that you can't mess it up. Yes. And I think if we're walking with God and we're praying to him and we're walking in step with the spirit, that God's not going to be like, you messed up. You messed up. This was wrong. And I just think that we know that in our spirit, but I think if we actively start living that out, it can change our whole perspective on capacity and potential if we just trust God and trust what he says about our life. Yeah. Okay. Here's one more crasher of this conversation before we take a quick break. Let's just like bang it into the ground one more time. And what if all of the talk about potential is actually like making ties instead of breaking ties with the world's definition of success. Mm. What if we are actually, when we're talking about potential, we're actually like agreeing with a culture that is not kingdom minded by saying that like, your potential has something to do with a worldly measure of success. So I would unpack it this way. Like, what if my potential actually has nothing to do with how many books I write and how many people will like be impacted by my teaching? What if my potential is about how present I can be or like how seen I can feel by God? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, even by continuing this conversation, I don't mean like right now, but like, by letting our flesh continually speak into it in a fear and anxiety way, what if we are like making agreements with like, honestly, with like a worldly sense of striving and success that the enemy would really like us to get caught in, you know? Definitely. And I think comparison goes right into that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've said this often like privately, but I don't know that I've ever shared it on the podcast. But when I list my dreams for my life, I have some big kingdom dreams that I would say, whatever, sound big from a worldly perspective. Like one that I name often is I want to see the renewal of the American church. I do. I just, I want to see the renewal of the American church. I want to see people feel safe in church again. I want to see like pastors be trustworthy again. I want to see like the altars to God restored and the altars to idols crashed. And I want to start with my own heart and I want to start with my own local church. I actually have no idea on the surface what that fruit will look like, but that's like a dream I have. But like another massive dream for me, like I'll like tear up talking about it, is that I want to be in the room if and when my daughter gives birth. And to me, that means she trusts me Mm -hmm. and that's it. That's it. Like, I just want her to trust me. And when I think about that, I'm like, I used to even say like, I want to see all my kids walking and they're calling and loving God. And I've realized like, I do want that. And I pray for that. But like, there's only so much I can do for that. But like, I do want my kids to trust me and I want them to want to spend time with me, you know, and I don't want to speak any limitations or expectations over their capacity or over their potential. Yeah, You know, I certainly don't want to say like, I hope they're pastors because I really just hope 
they honor God with whatever he calls them to. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and hopefully say some reconstructing helpful things about this conversation now that we've kind of swirled it and turned it all around. All right, friends, you guys know that we love coaching here at Go and Tell Gals, but did you know that one way we coach women is through our products? So we actually love coaching women through t-shirts and hats and all different types of fun little things like keychains and stickers. And the reason why is we want to speak life over you. We want to speak life over you right where you're at in your most tender moments. And we actually have a new line of products that launch today. I'm not even embarrassed to tell you they're the cutest things we've made so far. We have a super cute black crop top that says, not in a hurry, come on. We have a beautiful sweatshirt that's like brilliantly colored that talks about the kingdom of God that you're going to want to check out. We just have some of our favorite things we've ever made. And just to bless you for being a podcast listener, we want to give you a 10% discount code that you can use anytime. That code is on mission, O-N-M-I-S-S-I-O-N, all one word. It'll get you 10% off everything in the shop and you can use it whenever. But if I were you, I would hop on some of these new fall styles. We're grateful for you. Let's keep going. All right, we're coming back and we've really just we've really just stripped this conversation bare. We've turned it around, we've swirled it up, and now we're going to see if we can find some helpful tools in this. So, one thing that I'm so excited to talk to you about Hensley is I want to talk about one thing that I think could be really difficult for a lot of women as they process this question, how do I live up to my potential? How do I live a life worthy of my calling? Is that we have to talk about potential and I'm definitely saying that with air quotes in different seasons. And before we even get into it, I have to give you the caveat that you may not know this, but one of the biggest critiques of the Go and Tell Girls podcast, beyond our sound issues, which we hopefully in Jesus' name have sorted out, is that I use the word seasons too much. And you guys email me and you email Go and Tell Girls and you DM me and you let us know you do not like that I say seasons so much and I don't have a better word. So if I had a better word, I would use a better word. But the thing is, we're just in all in different seasons and I want to consider all our different listeners. So I'm sorry. Just every time you hear it now, giggle to yourself and know she's trying. She doesn't want to say it anymore. <laughs> but we do have women in different seasons. So I want to talk a little bit about that and really like how that fleshes out for all of us. So I'll just tell you this quick story and I want to hear from you, Hens, on this. So I had a season, excuse me, of my life where my kids were three, two, and one. So I had Irish triplets. They were We were home. My husband and I shared a car. We shared a laptop and we shared a phone. So the way that this worked is that Either I would drive him to work and he worked 30 minutes away. So I would drive an hour every morning with these three-year-old, two-year-old, one-year-old. And then I'd have to do the same drive in the afternoon or he would leave me for the day, which is what we did most of the time. And I'd be at home with no car. And then one of us would take the phone and one of us would take the laptop. And you're imagining like a fancy laptop where there's like iMessage. That wasn't there yet. We didn't have iMessage. So we used an internet site. I can't remember the name of it where we could like text each other from the internet. So whoever had the laptop could text and whoever had the phone could talk on the phone. And if he happened to have the laptop that day for his job, that meant I basically couldn't do anything. (laughs) Like I had a TV and I had three kids, but if he took the phone, then I had the laptop and I could write, 
which I would often do when my kids had nap times. But I remember in that season feeling like my capacity was nothing. Mm-hmm. I had no relational capacity. I didn't want to like go out for girls' nights when Nick would get home because I was physically exhausted. If I wanted to have any time alone, it was 5 a.m. or nothing because my kids got up so early. So I would have to like get up at 5 a.m., try to sneak in a quiet time, try to sneak in some exercise. I'd just be with three little kids until they all passed out at nap time. And I'd have two hours to either sit in silence or watch whatever was on the 12 channels that we got on our TV or write. And I remember thinking like, I'm done forever because this is my forever capacity. I can't love people. I can't lead people. I can barely leave the house. And what is so poignant to me out of that season is not only that my capacity changed, but for me, for my particular story, God built my entire ministry out of that season. Mm. I wrote a blog during that season called Naptime Diaries that then turned into a print shop. And then the blog turned into writing books. And all of it came out of what I saw as like, nothing. I had no capacity, no strength. And God wrote a very different story over that capacity. And so that's really interesting to me. You know, what do you feel like are some strengths and weaknesses you've seen in like past seasons or current seasons that you're currently in? I think back to when my husband and I were first married, we were in a season where we could host nonstop movie nights, game nights, dinner parties, friends staying with us from out of town, even our family staying with us from out of the town. We had so much time and space for relationships specifically, all the people, all the groups, it was all we were doing. And I can say that is one of the biggest shifts that have happened since my son was born is that I really don't have the capacity for that. And I think I can miss that. And I can say that I miss that, but in the same vein, I can say that I don't want that right now. Yeah, And that's okay. That that is a huge shift after a child, but the difference is now I have capacity and a new interest in a lot more time with other moms and other women one-on-one that I was not doing before, before my son was born. And so that was a huge shift. I also think now we're emerging into toddlerhood and that is completely different than the baby life. And now I feel like my capacity has switched again. We have been having a really hard time with my son going out to eat. Yeah, And I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore. It's not worth it. I don't want to do that right now. And it can be discouraging, but interesting. We were, I was talking about this with my mom this weekend. I was like, are we ever going to be able to go out to eat again? Am I ever going to be able to just like yeah. sit at the table and this baby just sit at the table and eat and do his thing? And she was like, yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. It changes. And I think that's why a lot of the time seasons is the best word is we don't know when they're going to end. And we yes. don't know when they're going to start specifically, but I can look down the line and hope and assume when my son is a little bit older that that will look very different. Yeah. I think one of the most just, I think one of the most God glorifying things that we can do in any particular season is look down at our feet and like name the freedom in it and the authority in it 
and look down at our feet and name the constraints in it. Yeah. And say like, you know what? In this season, here is where I have so much authority. So like, I would like to say, if you are a college student living in a dorm right now, no one may have alerted you to this, but you have so much spiritual authority by living with other women. Like you can walk up and down the hall and just bless the socks off of people. Wait till they're asleep and put your hands on their door and pray over them. Like write encouraging messages on their door in post-it notes. I mean, you are just a missionary. You have been given a authority and power by the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and at work in you. If by grace through faith, you walk with God and you live in a door, I'm like, oh my gosh, so much authority. You know what you can't do though, is pretty hard for you to like host a baby shower. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> or like, it, you know, <laughs> it is pretty hard for you to, I don't know, like have 10 people come spend the night at your house because you're living in a dorm. So this just goes for every single person, whether you're like fresh out of college, whether you're an empty nester, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a working mom, whether you are a newlywed, your particular season is going to have so much particular authority and freedom in it. And you are one of the best people to name it and walk in it. And your particular season is also going to have particular boundaries. And there is actually some beauty in blessing that boundary line. Psalm 16, 6 says the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And we love to think about this, about seeing all that we have. To really bless a boundary line, you have to bless the things that you don't have. Bless the things that you don't have the capacity for. And I want to say like, yeah, flipping this conversation on its head. Like there's something beautiful in saying like right now in this season, I do not have the potential to do this. Yes. You know? Yeah. I also think that it's really important for us to understand that we can't compare our seasons. We can't compare our capacity. We can't compare our perception of potential to the people beside us because it's different. And it's different for the two roommates in college. It's different for the moms that their kids have just gone to college. Just because of your situation, it doesn't define your capacity. And I think a lot of times we can get caught in that comparison trap. But I think it's so important to know, to understand, and genuinely to believe that God has you where He wants you and He can grow things where you are. Woo! Woo! Say it again. God has you where you want you and He can grow things where you are. Wolf. No matter what. I'm going to write that in my journal today. Thank you, God. Our pastor, my husband, is doing a sermon series right now on persistent resistance and like being persistent in the face of resistance. And he has been talking about recently the voice of doubt Mm -hmm. and how we combat the voice of doubt. And this one thing he said has stuck with me. He said, like, we have to capture our thoughts and pay attention to these three specific thoughts. Number one is distracting thoughts. Number two is isolating thoughts. And number three is limiting thoughts. And this plays into this conversation for me because I think a lot of times the overt thoughts we might be having about our potential or our calling or our worthiness, they're either massively distracting from the actual work God's called us to do. Like, oh my gosh, let's stop talking about it and let's do what he's asked us to do. Number two, they're massively isolating because we're looking to the left or the right and we're comparing ourselves to other women, other people, other seasons, et cetera. And then 
Number three, they can be incredibly limiting because we're putting a ceiling on our God-given potential and our God-given capacity, even by just assuming that our capacity in a season is going to be our capacity forever, Yeah, which is not true. Like God will increase your capacity. And also God will sometimes take you to a new season where you have less capacity in that season. And that's okay too. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Okay. I want to talk about Ephesians 4 really quickly because that is the, the passage that talks about living a life worthy of the calling. Let's also just go ahead and say that Paul is living in prison. So this is definitely probably not where he saw his ministry going. This feels really important because I would say as he's encouraging other people to live a life worthy of the calling, he's probably assuming that he's living a life worthy of the calling, which again is not looking like worldly success. And he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. First of all, the calling you've received, not the calling you've earned, Mm. not the calling that you've like mustered up somehow. It's a gift from God that he's placed on your life. But then what's so interesting is he doesn't say like, figure it out, work hard, press in, throw off. Instead, (laughs) when he says, live a life worthy of the calling you've received, this is what he says, be humble, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Just for good measure, I want to read the message version of this. He says, in light of this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. I just love that. It's also the opposite of what the world says. It is. Like, it's literally the, the opposite. opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Okay. So, so, so helpful. Here's the last thing I want to touch on real quick. Sometimes in the Go and Tell Girls office, there's five of us. I was actually like journaling about it this morning. We had a staff meeting yesterday and sometimes our staff meeting turns into just like a really helpful group therapy session where we're kind of processing what God's teaching us and what we're noticing. Sometimes we will just get on a little bit of a tangent and a little bit of a bend, but it's like a holy bend of like something we're riled up about. But usually for us, God uses it to serve other people. Like we don't just talk about it, but it turns into something. At the beginning of an obsession, I don't really necessarily think we're going to be off of for a while. And so I just want to start to think about it and start to talk about it on this podcast. And I want to just go ahead and credit Caroline Lenny, who's also on our team, who really is driving this particular tear we're on. It's against this false gospel that we're seeing proclaimed on TikTok and on Instagram that is specifically kind of branded as like, holy girl habits or like the Christian girl lifestyle. I see it in a lot of different forms. Like this is more of a Generation Z. Is that what you are? X? What is it? Y? Gen Z? Gen Z. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a millennial, so I'm like, but Gen Zs use the phrase that girl 
Is that right? Have you heard this? I think so. I'm on the cusp. Okay. Yeah. You're on the borderline too. But Gen Z is correct. Just if we're wrong, I think a phrase they like to use is that girl. And so I've literally seen like reels that are like how to be that Christian girl or like, oh yeah, I've seen one that's like five habits to keep you healthy and holy. Here's why we hate these things (laughs) because (laughs) we don't earn our holiness. And also because who says what happy is and who says what healthy is Mm. and who says that like the world's version of happiness is the aim of our life. And I'm actually here to say as someone who's paid a lot of attention, I think if you go after the world's current version of healthy, chances are you will end up somewhere that is like not spiritually rich because the world's version of healthy is broken. Yeah. So To me, this relates to that conversation because I want to continually break ties with a false gospel that says that there are five things you can do or six things you can do or a certain set of benchmarks that you can do, buttons you can press, levers you can pull, Mm -hmm. rhythms you can engage in that will somehow make you living the life that's good. And I would say, even if that's the way God communicates with you, It would be so messed up for all of us to be going after five or six of the same things. Mm -hmm. So I just want to pause right here and say that who you are is a daughter empowered with the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. But to walk in that power, to walk in that capacity and that potential will rarely look like success or health or happiness to the world. And we have to remember that we live in an upside down kingdom and we are not trying to fit in those boxes. Amen. Amen. You're not what you do. You're who you are and who God is. Yeah. So good. Okay. I really feel like we've just kind of opened the can of worms, but as always, we want to give you more questions than answers. We want you to process this with the women in your community, with your family, with God, most of all. And we want to hear what you think. If you have not joined the Go and Tell Girls Facebook community, please do today. It's a vibrant place where we just talk a little bit about these podcast episodes, share our thoughts, and you can easily find it on Facebook. We would absolutely love to have you there. You can also just DM us or send us an email. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Hey, Hence, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. We're all learning. We're all on this path together to live a life worthy of our callings in Jesus' name. Love you, gals. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast episode. We would be so blessed if you would take a minute to leave a review wherever you've listened to this podcast. You're also welcome and encouraged to share this on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you use social media. We'd also love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or send us a message on Facebook. Shoot us an email. We love to connect with you to hear how we can encourage you and further equip you. God is mighty in you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going.